when you're about to do something that feels uncomfortable or that you haven't done before, or you're not sure if you have the skill set for, but you really feel, you know, any of those things, whether it's like in a performance, like sports performance, whether it's in hobbies, whether it's in business, no matter what area it is, I come to realize that everybody, everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody has a starting point. And your starting point is not your ending point. It is literally just the starting point. And I think what happens so many times is we think the starting point is our ending point. So we feel like everything has to be like fully executed in that moment, no matter what it is. And over the years in me learning to do different sports, I really learned that there is the start is really what matters. Welcome to the Online Creator Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Tradewell, founder of May & James Co., a creative digital company. Building a brand is about human connection. I am here to help you articulate your story through strategy, development, and execution. I believe that anything is possible at any age and at any stage of business. The only limits we have are the ones that we place on ourselves. I want you to feel like you are supported, not alone, and that you are able to take action quickly. On this podcast, expect to hear interviews from a wide range of guest speakers, bite-sized solo episodes from myself, bingeable episodes that will give you insights, different perspectives, and actionable strategies to help you reach your goals personally and professionally. Now let's get into the show. In this episode of the Online Creator Podcast, I get the opportunity to talk with Kimberly Valerie. Kimberly is a serial entrepreneur and currently transitioning into a franchise business with her husband, Darren, her partner of over 30 years. Her formal education is in social work and her work experience is in human behavior, change and crisis management. She now combines her knowledge and skills of human behavior with business. She also mentors other business owners in building businesses that support the lifestyle they are looking for. Is this the thing that is going to stop you from pursuing your dreams? Honestly, that's one of the nuggets that came out of this conversation today. It was such an honor and privilege to spend, I don't know, about 50 minutes with Kimberly. I cannot wait to do it again. And maybe next time, have her husband Darren join in on the conversation. Their experience and wealth of knowledge is so expansive. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Good morning, Kimberly. How are you doing? Good morning, Kim. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. We've had, we've been fortunate enough to actually meet in person, and that doesn't happen very often in this online space. We don't live too far away from each other. So that was really a great opportunity to connect with you. And so I'm so happy to touch base with you here again. Today. Awesome. Uh, I'm really excited too. I know it's been a bit trying to get our schedules aligned so that we could actually record some of our chat. I really enjoyed getting to know you as well. And I did appreciate that you, when you came to the city, you just like, hey, I'm here. Are you available for coffee? I love that kind of thing. So yeah, that's how friendships are made, right? That's right. That's right. And if you don't ask, you don't, you don't know. So that's kind of how I'm living life right now. Awesome. (laughs) Just going for it. So the first question I ask all my guests for this first season anyways, is how have you leveraged your voice in your business to better your business or your personal life? And maybe it's been a bit of a journey, but I would love to hear a little bit about uh, what that's looked like for you. Okay, so I'm just going to start off with something funny about my voice. I yeah. have never had a problem with my voice, both the sound of it mm-hmm. and using it. Not that I'm, I'm not a squeaky wheel in that sense, but right. I've had a voice that's always carried a tone and sound of authority. No one has ever uh, really questioned who or who I am or what I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, both in tone and volume and in like sense of authority and confidence. And I think that that, so that's interesting. I have never really struggled with having a voice or wondering if my voice is being heard. And always, always. Really? Uh, yeah. Do you remember really... that as a young child? Like as a teenager, right. I was always like, I always tended to be the quieter one in the room until I oh. kind of felt out the room. 
You know what I mean? Like, okay, there was a period of time where I was being bullied in school, and I there was a time where I was really withdrawn uh, for a period of a number of months because I thought it was going to get beat up. So I was trying to hide, but that was more about my yeah. looks. Yeah, because I'm, uh, yeah, not okay. I know this is a podcast for those yeah. of you listening. It's not that I'm like, not that I was like some model child or whatever your standard is or expectation of beauty, but I am, was raised uh, near a reserve and I am partly native. I'm okay. Metis, uh, but I don't look it. <laughs> so all of my schoolmates were very, very. And say with my sister, uh, my mom really have a lot of the Aboriginal coloring and look. And I do not. I have my dad's side. So light hair, blue eyes, white skin, like all that. Yeah. And so there was a time where I wasn't accepted in the way I looked for a number of months. And then I just kind of like embraced it and challenged it in one moment. And it was instant. And then all that was over. So I would say wow. looking back, that would be the only time in my life. And I think many of us can identify with that as a teenager. Uh-huh. Where I didn't, I, I was just scared I was going to get beat up. So I tried to just. That's a pretty legit reason fair. to maybe like yeah. be a little quieter. <laughs> yeah. But that's but for the most amazing. What, you know, I'm a twin. I'm the oldest in my family okay. of five. Uh, we came from, my mom was a very young mom. And we came from a very robust and uh, active home. So, and also we were very poor, really super poor. And there was this mentality it's like if you can imagine a litter my mom used to call us her litter of kittens but if you can imagine a litter of kittens all trying to get to their mama to get fed right you see them kind of climbing on a we were kind of like that we're it's like the survival of the fittest so i think i think how the my birth role the where i was born the kind of the structure of my family all that kind of led into that and even now it's kind of funny because my brothers are have very big voices as well my sister does not so if you ask my sister this question she would have a very different because she was the youngest of us all okay so she was the quiet one who never got heard oh she has ptsd from our childhood mostly (laughs) oh my god so so using my voice to get back to your original question using my voice is something i have always just got i've always stepped into i've always gone for gotten what I've won, what I've asked for, what I'm looking for, what I'm searching for, whatever that is. I don't mean that as in like, a, like I take what doesn't belong to me. I just mean I've never really, I've never really like taken a back seat and let somebody else kind of use my voice or direct for me or anything like that. That's awesome. Has it opened up opportunities then, I guess, when you talk about how you're not afraid or never have been afraid to kind of put yourself out there and ask I've had to work up to that. It's taken me a little bit to find my voice. And, you know, so, yeah, what does that look like? Has it opened up opportunities because you haven't been afraid of doing that? I think what it's done is it's allowed me to have a lot of experiences that are very, have really enriched my life in ways I, in, in ways I never could have experienced before. Right. And so, because when you're about to do something that feels uncomfortable or that you haven't done before, or you're not sure if you have the skill set for, but you really feel, you know, any of those things, whether it's like in a performance, like sports performance, whether it's in hobbies, whether it's in business, no matter what area it is, I come to realize that everybody, everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody has a starting point. Mm-hmm. And your starting point is not your ending point. It is literally just the starting point. And I think what happens so many times is we think the starting point is our ending point. So we feel like everything has to be like fully executed in that moment, no matter what it is. And over the years in me learning to do different sports, I really learned that there is the start is really what matters because you have to, it's like going from a ba- an infant back to childhood again you know, crawling to walking. There's the odd few that kind of miss the crawling stage and go to walking, but mm-hmm. there's those beginning starts. And I think that me being able to embrace that awkward stuff in the beginning is really, uh, it's it's kind of charming because I kind of make a little bit of fun of it, right? If it's awkward or whatever. But it also doesn't stop me for too long in doing something. And so it's 
brought different experiences to my life that I wouldn't, right? I wanted to do an Ironman my whole entire life. And I was terrified to swim, as most people usually have a thing about whatever, whether it's swimming, biking, or running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified to swim, but I wanted to do this Ironman so bad. For 20 years, I went year after year to watch the race in Penticton. And I was like, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do that one day. And then I tried swimming lessons. I tried adult scared stiff swimming lessons. I just kept going back, trying to figure out how to swim. It was awkward. It was scary, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, you just, just, so over the years that really translates a lot into building confidence. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so I think that that's how my voice, and then I also have a very unique story. Well, I like to say it's very unique because it's me, but I also have a, have a story, you know, where I came from and what I was exposed to as a child growing up and then how my adult's life has kind of the path it's gone. I start now using my voice to tell and share with people that you don't have to come from a certain place to get a certain Mm -hmm. thing or to Mm -hmm. be and to have certain success in any area of your life, right? A lot of times people think that's not for them you know, that success is not for them. It's for somebody else. It's for other people. So as I get a little bit older, I'm starting to use that story a little bit more to remember, to help people remember that we are all just people. We all just start. And why, if, if somebody else can do it, why not you? Absolutely. So, right. There's a couple things there for sure that I want to dig into (laughs) a little bit more. Yeah, sure. There's so much here. Did you, were you raised then with a really competitive, like, because you mentioned sports a few times. So were most of your siblings like athletic? Were they competitive by nature? No, we, you know, I was born to, I I don't, and I might want to give a little bit of a warning to your listeners, but I was born into a family. There's five of us. My mom was Mm -hmm. a very young mom. Our family was very poor. We were transient, lots of addictions, mental health, violence. And there was none of that. We had no organized sports. We had no consistency, no structure or anything like that in our family. I was kind of, as the the oldest of the five, I was the ringleader, the gang leader, if you will, as my mom called me, the ringleaders. Like, mm-hmm. They were your kids right from the beginning. You're the one that had all control. And I really, uh, my family ended up very separated because uh, at one point my mom brought home a very dangerous man who stayed in our family and he uh, almost killed me one night and I was taken to the hospital. I had really severe head injuries. I had been beaten really, really badly and removed from the family at 13 Mm -hmm. and I never went back to live with my family. And so our family life was very, I mean, the competition or the competitiveness in our family was really literally survival. Uh It really literally was. And so within that, but my two brothers are very close. We're, like we're all very close in age, all of us. But my my twin brother and then my next younger sibling, we were like a threesome. And so I think, you know, as I got older, I wanted to do sports, but I never had any frame of reference for it. Okay. It wasn't right. My brother started doing it. So I got into sports when I was in my 20s. Wow. 20s. 33. Sorry. No, 33 is when I started yeah, awesome. in my early 30s. Yeah. And then I was like, man, I would have done this as a kid. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't part of our, our lived experience. And so that's what I mean when I talk about my story, like my childhood story. And I know we all have different levels of experience in uh, where we came from and who we come to be and the whole process in between. But it's always a reminder that you don't have to have somebody preset the stage for you in order for you to find success, right? My kids have had a very different lived experience, very different, right? Than my childhood. When they were hard done by. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But, and so I, I just like to remind people that it's like, and this is the one thing I love my mom. Don't get me wrong. We had some horrible stuff to move through and I'm her caretaker now. But the one thing that my mother did instill in all of us is that there is gold, quote unquote, gold out there for you and whatever you choose. I'm not talking about gathering money, but uh, there is gold out there for you. You just have to go find it. 
you have to go get Absolutely. it. You have to have the and drive. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was always imparted to us, even in all that chaos and all that wow. dysfunction and heartache. It was like, yes, you can have whatever you want. You just have to go get it and find it. And when I look back, all my siblings, all of us are very successful. And, and that's the one thing that kind of is the thread through all five of us. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love the reason why I love audio so much, too, is that there's so much power in sharing our stories because they're all so unique and so different and can be so inspiring to the right person. Right. We're not. Yeah. We, yeah. Our voice and our story isn't for everyone. And that's OK. But yeah. We are for some people, and that's all they need to hear in that moment to be able to change that trajectory a bit. I, right. I think it's amazing that you found sports in your early 30s, because I think there's a lot of us, too, that hold ourselves back because we're just like, oh, you know, I for the longest time, I just assumed I wasn't creative. So I just right. didn't do anything creative because I wasn't traditional in the same with sports. I wasn't like the yes. top athlete, but I was I still love to this day being active and moving in some capacity I mean you know like even like doing adult tennis lessons because I put my kids in tennis lessons and my I grew up playing tennis but I thought oh I'll I'll just you know start with this beginner class yeah I honestly look like a rock star because people didn't even know how to serve and they were like oh my god Kim like you are really picking this up quick and I'm like Apparently, I shouldn't have taken the beginner one. But I, I just, but all of those things that kind of hold ourselves back from just trying and just experimenting and and seeing where it'll take you in your life. And the creative piece, I think, is really super interesting too, because just because we're not a traditional artist or a singer doesn't mean we can't be creative in so many other ways in our life. And yeah, it's just so that amazing. Is, that in itself is so powerful because as an, I would say the same thing myself for years. I, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. Uh, I can't draw. I don't sing. I like music, but I don't have a, a fondness for any particular thing about music. I don't paint. I used to sew for my kids back when I was a Susie homemaker. I sewed all of our clothes and stuff like that. But that's about it, right? Like, so I would call myself not creative. And then I realized through the evolution and between my 30s and 50s is my creativity. And Kim, you might identify with this. My creativity is really in my expansion. And my ability to evolve and create new experiences, both in business and in life. And that is my creativeness. Because yeah. people, you're always like, there's always something else that you're moving into. There's mm -hmm. always something, right? And so to me, you know, some people would call the ADD. I don't care what you label it. To me, it's my creative expression. Yes. And then that's okay, right? Because there's right. a lot of people too that are like, Nope, you have to stay in this lane. You have to stay in this lane until you're known for that lane. And then you can move over into another lane. And I'm like, but what if I like a few different lanes? Like, right. can't I still like try it? Yeah. I just think there's so much that we can allow ourselves to do if we don't listen to all the outside voices and just listen to our own. Because that's also really super powerful when we tap into what we want to do and what we're excited about and what's driving us. Because if if we're not excited about that one lane and we keep showing up, showing up, show, one day we're just not going to show up. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think that's like literally that's probably the edge from my childhood is this this survival instinct to always make sure mm -hmm. I am doing what I need for, you know, it started off as survival. Right. Quite likely, but it became an embedded part of. And as I've worked through and not to get all woo woo wee and weird, but as I've worked through the different levels of healing through mm -hmm. uh, forgiveness and the impact of that kind of trauma and all that kind of stuff, both with my my mom, my siblings, uh, the offender, like all that kind of stuff. As I've worked through that at different levels over the years, don't get me wrong. I my trauma as a child springboard my high performance addiction, if you will, to uh -huh. always exceeding, right? To always getting that goal. It actually springboarded. And so once I got on that treadmill of like, oh crap, I can do these things, right? I can learn to do this. I can learn uh -huh. to do this. Once I understood that I had the power to learn, that's it. The world is my oyster. And at any age. And at any, at any stage age. of our journey. Like that's oh, this the is why of our life, right? I'm not, not you. Yeah, Absolutely. so and so's doing this, and you have this dream. Why not you? 
you have right. the ability to learn. And so for me, that was like, uh, but I didn't see that until I burnt out at 50 with cancer. Wow. <laughs> that really the wow, speed hey. that I was living my life at and yeah. the successes that uh, that were just coming bang, 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 were really a result of just this really overdriven, right. overworked, uh, on charge nervous system that needed yeah. to be regulated and needed right. to kind of get off that RPM. That's a whole bigger life story, but oh that's, that's all that, that's all that process, right? That's so crazy. Okay. Before we get into the next yeah. question, just to wrap up this, cause there's so much here. Did you do the Ironman? I did. Oh my God. I did. I did my, that I did my so first amazing. Ironman. I did three. I trained for three more after that one because I loved it so much, but as I alluded to, or not alluded to, as I said, I got cancer along the way. And uh, so the couple of, there was another one. I was the year before I got really sick. I actually got pulled from the rape. I actually literally, they pulled me. I almost drowned in the swim. I was so sick. Uh, that's what I mean about that driven. Yeah. That you don't. Wow. That you can't you even recognize take... how much yeah. you need to just. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I have not completed another one since I have attempted a few others. And every now and then I think, oh, I'd love to go back and do that. But I don't know if that's that whole, like, those were the glory days and you try to kind of relive it and it's just not the same anymore. My body's yeah. not the same. I don't know that I have that same drive. That would right? be more because, hit for me. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah. in awe that you had the drive to do that. I, I have was no desire that was, to do an Ironman. That, <laughs> that was trauma. Oh, that gosh. I could help organize the Ironman because I want, you know, like, because that's all I know. I know how to, like, build that up to create something yeah. for others. But it's so funny, right? Oh, that's yeah. the it's, oh my so it's like, I was like, I've healed all that un, unprocessed trauma that was really driving that, that level of energy, both in business, in life, in relationships, all that. And so I don't have that anymore because some of that, most of that's healed in some yeah. capacity, right? I so say, yeah. I always, I laugh. I, I tease my healer, quote unquote healer, the, one of the gals that really helped me process a lot. I said, you wrecked me for running and for Ironmans because I don't know if I have that capacity to do something that who thinks riding a bike for eight hours and then running for another six is fun. I think it's insane. <laughs> I think it's absolutely insane. But I also am in awe of, of people that can do that, yeah. that can push yeah. themselves to that. Cause like that's yeah, sometimes just getting on my bike for 15 is like, oh my God. 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, so yes, I did do it and I was uh, it was it was as euphoric as I was hoping it to be. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. Okay. So let's tap into a little bit about what you do in your business yeah. today. You work in business and mentorship, you help others create that life for themselves what does that look like like what's your what's your favorite part about what you do right now <laughs> what's my the favorite part of what I do and I'm even doing it my husband and I right now are developing a brand new and we'll maybe talk about that later uh so what I do with mentoring with mostly women I'm actually doing with him and that is really helping small business owners really recognize that they can build a business as an entity that actually supports their lifestyle and the, their kind of their lifestyle goals and dreams, right? Not one that takes from it. And there's this sweet spot where when we start something, we started out of passion, out of drive. It be, it, it's our offering to the world. So whether it's in service, whether it's a product, whatever it is, but you're the creator of it and you're the doer of it and you're the one executing it all. And and what happens over a period of time is that's all fine for about two or three years, but then you start to kind of get into this burnout phase mm. or the business is not supporting you as you had this dream as an, you know, small business entrepreneur that, you know, you were going to have this kind of time, flexibility, freedom. And most of the entrepreneurs I meet and most of the small business owners, they're not looking to like work an hour and make millions of dollars and jet set and be on beaches. These are these are women and men that really, truly love what they do, right? They want to be involved with what they're doing, but there's this balance. And so what I do is I really help them make this shift into the, it's a different kind of leadership to build a business that's an extension of, it's an entity outside of you where you learn to build capacity within your staff or your team. And yeah. you end up becoming, I call it the conductor instead of being in the band, you know, you're kind of the conductor of the band 
uh, every now and then you have to go back into the band and help out in some capacity. But really, most people want to move to this place where their business can support their lifestyles, their impact, their passion, their purpose, and it can all blend together. But it really starts with shifting your view of what it means to be a leader and how to actually trust and build capacity within the people that are going to be handling the end user service, mm-hmm. right? Because then those you're used to executing that you're used mm-hmm. to doing it. So wh- one client that I have right now, she's used to doing all the training sessions, right? Clients know her, but she can't build a business if she's actually doing the business too. Right. Right. And so how do you do that? How do you start to extract yourself without collapsing your business? That without is creating super tricky. That is it, such like a messy middle. And, and most of the people that I know too, and that are, I have connected with, uh, we're in the same boat because most of us are service based until we figure out exactly what you said, that there's only one of us here. So either I build this small agency or I look at building and scaling in a different capacity in a different way. So it is that like trying to figure out where where you fit. Meanwhile, still bringing in monthly income because right. you need to do that to be able to survive. So yeah, because you can yeah, collapse a business if you yeah, you can collapse a business if you do it too fast. You yeah, really truly can. Absolutely. And so with uh, my one client, we've been working together for just over six months now. And we just had this conversation to our, at our last session, we meet weekly and she's a great client. She just, we meet once a week. We don't do about anything in between the time. We're just like, bam, but she has gotten to herself where she was teaching all the sessions mm-hmm. to now none. And, awesome. and her revenue is going up. Her staff experience is also higher, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're feeling more plugged in, more mm-hmm. capable, more confident. And her the members are growing and they're not noticing they're not the chatter isn't oh christy's not here anymore oh they're not here anymore oh they blah 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 it's a, so we've been able to do this beautiful transition to now she's really able to step into her role as the visionary of that business and absolutely but it's done it incrementally we've done it little by little and at the same time the other thing that i really stress and really work on with any client is creating a process for everything and systemizing everything. And it sounds kind of like, like this, I have this other client that's brand new in her business. She's like, ah, I don't really worry about systems yet. Like we're just getting going. Oh my God. No, I a hundred percent believe that systems will save you. It saves you in the long run because in yeah. three, three years from now, when you're swamped and you yeah. need to onboard somebody because you're swamped, yeah. your systems even if they're barbaric and rough, right. if you have an idea of that. And so that that just takes some really intentional work and it takes expansion in you as an individual. So there's a lot of mindset, a lot of uh, process work that goes through with that, as well as the structure of systems. How do you build systems? How yeah. do you, what is that? What does that mean? People talk about strategizing in systems, but what does that actually mean? To me, so it much. means that it means an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Can with links whatever to, you want it to be yeah exactly. google docs right yeah. to where your stuff is so that and then so so that's mostly what i do with clients now awesome i'm going to let you in on a little secret private audio feeds this means you can take the audio from content you've already created and share it with your paying customers With Hello Audio, you can create private audio feeds in minutes. Check out the show notes for the link or go to helloaudio.fm for more information. Can I ask one thing in there? I always wonder, and I know I've had this conversation with other people too. Does it take a certain personality to be able to become that leader of having a team? How do you know as an entrepreneur that that is the path that you should take? Like, how, what does it take inside of you to be able to make that mind shift? And maybe it's more of a mind shift than personality trait. You know what I mean? Like, like wh- how, what have you found that's kind of held people from that growth stage more than I think that people, I, I, that's a really good question. And 
I'm going to refer to a podcast I listened to yesterday, but first I'm going to say this. I truly believe everybody has the capacity to become a leader. So it, I, so to me, everybody does. Now, my husband does not believe that. And so it's interesting when we have these within our own team building, we have these uh, oppositions because I really, truly believe what needs to happen is 100% it's a mindset shift, but it's understanding that, that as you move into, and I think that's why it's so important to have a, mem a mentor or a coach or mm -hmm. somebody with you, because as you move into a new form of leadership, it's a little scary. It's mm -hmm. scary letting go of control. Typically what happens is that's the control we like because it's controlling our security. Right. People say this, well, they can't do it as good as me. You're Absolutely. right. They can't. But can you teach them to do it as good as you? Because then right. to me, the responsibility then is on you. That means that's something I'm not doing. So then right. that's where that challenge to grow into leadership. Okay. This is something that I should be able to teach somebody. What is it going to take for me to understand that, embrace mm -hmm. that, and then teach it? So you have to go through these processes first to be able to actually truly 100% teach somebody to do what you're doing. Because right. if you're just training somebody to mimic you, you're going to just get irritated. Right. And the moment that they have a mess up or something doesn't go right, you're going to, that's going to reinforce to you, see, nobody can do it like me. Right. So you become a very closed off leader. You're not actually a leader. You're a controller. So it is about mindset shift first. Always. Yeah. I hate always. to sound like a broken record. And no, so I believe, like always... I believe inherently, and you know, I was a social worker, a practicing social worker for 15 years. I believe inherently that humans can change and grow. And um, I still believe that in leadership. If you're not getting the results you want to me, it's because I haven't got as a leader, I haven't gotten to the right expanded place yet. So I have more work to do in order for that to, to transpose into my team. It's funny because if you would have asked me earlier in life, like even in my 20s or my 30s, if I thought I could be a leader, I would be like, no, I don't have it in me for sure. I want to do my job and I want to leave. But I was never exposed to what the possibilities are. And there's just so many more opportunities now, I feel like, or yeah. maybe we're just seeing them more You're because of all yeah. this virtual, we're just seeing things different. And now that I've tapped into this world and seen what I am capable and possible of doing, I know it's possible for anyone. So I 100% agree with you that it is mindset shift, you know, as you are growing and building and scaling. And and you can do it in a way that feels right to you too. I mean, I think we we all have these like, oh, in our past, I've seen these leaders or managers or supervisors that were just like, that is not me. I don't want it. I don't want to be like them. But you don't have to, right? right. Like there's no, there's right. no cookie cutter way of leading and teaching and exactly. growing and, and being in that role. And, and I think you're right. Like you can do it in a way that feels right. You just have to do it in partnership with your people so that you can grow together and you can learn together and that it's it's built in a way that feels right for them too because that's the other thing like you can't dictate this is you know you want at the end of the day your product you want it to be fantastic just like you were working so hard to do it. and I think that's that's maybe more of it for me personally is just letting go because I've worked so hard to get it to where it is now is that yeah. letting go and building trust within someone else to be able to work alongside with me is it's probably going to be the biggest hurdle. And it 100% is all the time. And I think that that needs to be validated and acknowledged is that mm -hmm. that process that you just identified or that space, sorry, where that you identified, that's part where as the leader, let's say, or the visionary, you have to sit with that and see how that feels and how that serves you. And that's why I say, I always bring it back to this. What is it you want your business to serve? for you, right? There's impact. You want to impact people's lives. Mm -hmm. What else? What else do you want your business to contribute to your life? Do you want it to contribute some revenue? Do you want it to, it to contribute some sense of purpose? Do you want like all those kinds of things? Because then the question becomes, are you going to let that piece block you from having that? And those are the very intentional small questions that we have to ask ourselves. Am I going to let that you know, 
idea of like, I've worked so hard on this. I, and I'm scared to let it go. Is that going to be it for me then? Because that's where your growth is going to stunt as a leader, as a business, like you will only do so much. And you talk to anybody, you listen to all the big names around town, whatever that means to you, of these one man, one woman shows that built massive empires by themselves and blah, blah, blah. They've all had a burnout or destroyed everything or their relationships blew up or they went bankrupt. Like there's always a crumble to that kind of mentality. And so that's always the question. Is this where I say, no, I can't do it. Is this the thing that's going to stop me from that next step? Knowing and recognizing. And so I like to validate that. It's a scary place to be 100%. Right. And that's why I don't recommend just going head first into it because you'll blow up your business. Yeah, yeah. Take your time yeah. and be okay with that. And, and, you know, cause I think a lot of us get excited and then we're just starting to, we start spinning our wheels and we're like, okay, we got to get this out there in the world. And, but it's okay to like sit in it for a bit and almost do that researching phase of whatever phase you want to call it, but sit in it for a while, learn as much as you can before you start kind of like building it out. And that's okay. Like that's just part of the process. So you said you believe in mentorship. Uh, Has it been something part of your business strategy along the way? I know you and your husband are a team. You know, how do you how do you search out mentorship? What does that look like for you guys? Uh, That's a really good question. So for many years, because like I said, I didn't come from a background of entrepreneurs or anything like that. I mean, my mom was a con artist. She was stealing money. We were on welfare. We I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about careers. None of that kind of stuff. And. Uh, so my husband was really the first kind of mentor in business when we met and married, because that's all he's ever known is building his own life. That's all he's ever known. He's been working alongside his father and by himself since he was 17. So, I mean, it's actually the slogan of our new business. So he's been a real big mentor in the possibilities that came in his family, right? Because of what they were able to build and the tough times that go along with that. In terms of mentorship for me, it's all, it didn't matter what I did. I always sought out a coach. So when I needed to learn to swim, right, you just I found a coach that was, that was expert in that area. Yes. And, you know, I use swimming as an analogy because it took me three coaches to four, right. one, two, three. And on the fourth one, I found the one that fit me. Right. Ugh. And so it's, and I think that that's so important even, to hear is finding Finding a business mentor and one that has, to me, what's important in mentorship is one that has kind of traveled that path already. So has some, I don't want to say a resume, but actually has some lived experience in a similar process to me is really important. That doesn't mean that they can't, I'll tell you what gets me crazy about business mentors in the online space. People that have never actually run their own business, then but help people run businesses, call themselves business coaches and business right. To me, that is not a business mentor. Mm-hmm. Mentor is somebody who has actually put their life in a small business or in a business venture that's supporting them and their family and have skin in the game of what it's like to right. risk your livelihood, your yeah. sense of security. Because for every single small business out there, that's what's at stake. It's their mortgage. It's their food. It's the clothes for their children. It's all of that. And that is for every single human being a basic need, right? When you are building a business that that's the only place all that is coming from, you do business different. The Mm -hmm. decisions are different, right? So if you've never, to me, if you've never had that experience, you're not a business mentor. You may be a mentor and a support. I'm not, I'm just saying Right. So now when I seek business mentorship, I'm seeking business mentorship from people who have gone all in on their businesses and their businesses have built their life. Yeah. Right. Because then I know they know the decisions that we have to make. They know the struggle of like, when and where do we go all in? Right. So to me, that's a really important piece of mentorship. But I also believe it is always important to have people that have not or that People in your uh, sphere, in your network, if you will, in your lived experience, in your influence base, whatever you want to call it, your community, that have gone where you want to go. So my husband and I are currently embarking on a very big project, and we know nobody in this particular field, no one. 
And so who do we go to then to ask those questions, yeah. to find the people that have lived that experience that could pour into us? And we had to sit back and decide what was really important to us. And when we found a mentor, I mean, it was it was a big investment. It was. Uh-huh. And my husband doesn't come from a place of like mentors. He's like, right. no, he's a put your head down. You just do what you do. Just do it. Yeah. And so for us, though, now now he sees that he's like, wow, these three people that have gone where we are going, who we would not have any, we had no possibility to connect with them. Uh-huh. Now they're feeding into our business plan. And it's like it is making things uh, happen faster, uh-huh. moves us along quicker. So mentorship is really important. So what do you give to someone? What's before we wrap up here? Because I don't look at other time. Oh my gosh, do we really need to get you back on here again? I mean, we haven't even tapped into some stuff. But like what what advice do you give like a newer entrepreneur who is doesn't have the money to invest in one of those like those mentors that I know you're who you're talking about because I think they would be amazing. But but how do you tap into that world without when you're just starting out and you don't have the funds? You know, I would say what my, the current client I work with, she's small business and what she, and I love what she did. She found somebody in me. She found something in me that said she knows what I'm going through and she just picked one and did the, made the investment. So Uh here I'm financially literate as well. I would not want somebody to go, you know, mortgage their house to work with somebody. Right, right. You have to take, I would say 100%, it needs to be a paid mentor. Stop, stop, stop doing the free stuff. Uh-huh. Stop signing up for all the freebies. Stop signing up for all the master classes, free master classes, $100 uh-huh. classes, whatever they are. Unless you really, truly are a person that can integrate and implement through that. And I have met maybe two people that can do that. Uh-huh. Most of us don't, right? Yeah. Take the money and hire a business mentor that's in your next level, not where, not exactly and level, but that next level. Mm-hmm. Let them take you there. And then yeah. that's what I say. And put your blinders on. Stop looking at everywhere else. Uh, such good advice. There's so many good little nuggets there. And I, I know the one, that, like you're so many analogy. I just want to go back to that before we, we move on. Finding the right one sometimes takes a couple and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up because you can get into a bit of a, a slump. I know I have done it. You know, you've invested in someone and you, you did the research and you thought it was the right fit. And then you get halfway in that, get way halfway through it. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we've all been there. It's how do you like drop that and move on to the next? Like, is it just that drive to know that you are not giving up, that there is someone out there that you will connect with that will make that difference and just keep pushing through? Yeah. I mean, this happened to me a couple of years ago. I spent $15,000 on a three-month uh, mentor. And halfway through, I was like, this is not moving me forward. This is, yeah. or it's not that it was their responsibility to move me forward. It was not, it did not meet my expectation. And so again, the question, this is what I always ask myself, is this the thing that's going to stop me from pursuing? Yes. So right. when I look back and I say to my husband, oh, and he'll say, well, you know, so then it scares me. Do I invest in the next person? What do I yeah. do? And he says, well, if you look back, I mean, it's $15,000. I mean, I know when you're starting, $15,000 is a lot. And $15,000 is a lot when you're moving along or whatever, mm-hmm. like it still is a lot of money. Whatever that dollar value is, it's like, is that going to be the thing that stops you from pursuing your dream? Or is that going to be one of those? And so I always come back to that. Is that and I and I say that to my husband right now, is this the thing that's going to stop us from? And then if it's like so insurmountable, then it's like, okay, how can we break this up Uh so that we can then work at one piece at a time? Yes. Because that to me, then that's where the no quit comes. Make it a little bit more reachable even. So so do you believe in working in like quarters through the years that you can kind of set yourself up or how do do you structure that kind of goal? Uh, You know what? We do not use, uh, we do not use those kind of timelines. I do not use Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. I do not. We, right now with our new venture, we are tracking monthly to report on a spreadsheet for proof of concept and and demonstrating viability and things like that. 
but that's more a collection of data versus like target. Right. We work in the, we flow in the moment. Okay. We work in our energy of the moment, which sounds super, super woo. But there are times in our lives when it's work. Things yeah. are flowing. Things are coming together. We yeah. maybe project that like in August, we want to have X amount of partners up and running. So when we reverse engineer that and we're in February, what do we need to do between now and then? You know, are we going to be able to take a three week vacation? Probably not if that's our. And so that's just how we flow. We don't really flow in a uh, formal business structure of Q1, Q2, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But again, I think that's a good example of showing others that anything can work. It just has to work for you. And, yeah. and tapping into that energy flow because some seasons are just a little busier and your head's down, like you said. But yeah. if you want to be able to take some time off or if you want to be able to see that growth at a certain period, you do have to reverse engineer a little bit too. So there has to be a little bit of structure built in there, but it can work with you. So that, yeah, exactly. I, love that. I, love that. I call it the silent, the hard silent work. Ah. That's the stuff that that you're doing with your head down and nobody, yeah. you know, it's not going on social media. It's not sure being isn't. recognized by a whole bunch of clients because nope. you're not even like really driving too much revenue at that point. It yeah. is like the hard, silent work that yes. then your friends say what your friends see or your colleagues or your associates see. Three months later, Kim, you come out with this whole yeah. agency podcast and they're like, wow, you're an overnight success. And you're like, no, dude. Right. I've been busting it in my basement or wherever. Right. right? Yeah. My I have husband more and my kids see it. Yeah, my husband yeah. and my kids see it. Like sometimes Jason just has to be like, you need to get out now. Your head's been yeah. down for too long, right? But but that's good. And that's our partnership. But, and sometimes I need him to do that because I get yeah. so excited and so invested. We call it that. the no fun zone. Right. It's the no fun that's zone. Darren and really? I had that for like, from like October till just now, January-ish. Yeah. It was like, it was no fun zone. We yeah. had, it was like fun. What's that? Exactly. But, I know. I've yeah. been thinking about taking time off here. I'm getting like a little bit of anxiety because I just know like, well, what's going to like, who's going to do that? And so, you know, even just right. setting yourself up for success to be able to do that as an entrepreneur, it, it's it's a struggle. And so I love that you said that because I think everybody needs to hear that. It just depends on your season, but allow yourself some grace to be able to take some time off so you don't get burnt out either. Because I think we get that excitement and then we're like, oh my God, haven't pulled our head out of the yeah. room for for how long and then for we just missed like three months like okay yeah and it, it's like there you know i know everybody's always focused on driving revenue and driving revenue mm -hmm. and getting sales because that pays the bills but there is there has to be some honoring of the process to get there yes. and then always remembering like if i wasn't doing this and i need this income it's one thing if you're doing it and you don't need the income to support your lifestyle. But if you need the income to support your lifestyle, I would say the one other thing that people should always ask themselves is, am I doing, what am I doing right now? And if I wasn't doing this, how would this money come in? And right. I just want to, I just want to say this. When I had cancer, I owned two businesses and had just left a career. Right. And my husband had his family business. I was still able on my two businesses and I was not working. So I didn't have like disability or anything like that. Right. right? So I was off for probably 18 months in total, I was able to step away from the businesses, manage what I needed to from the couch, basically right. from my home. But I had to, I was able to have two retail stores run and I was still able to bring in over $150,000 per year in profit wow. while I was going through chemo and radiation yeah. and all that stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that was a blessing Yeah, to not have to, those people still had their jobs, yeah. right? Those 12 people in two businesses still had their jobs. Now, this isn't huge like TELUS and big companies like that. This is just my little small businesses. Yeah. And that to me is success. That's what you, that's what I want. I always yes. want to be able to have some income coming from those businesses where I'm not the one driving it every single day. Oh, so that, yes. it's oh, one thing to, to say it so that you can go travel and, you yeah. know, all that kind but of stuff. What if but something happens in life and you need to step back? And I think right. that's, I think, yeah, a hundred percent. We want, we want to be set up for success there. How yeah, do people so, find you? How do people find you, Kimberly? You know, how, how do the people last, connect with you? The last six months, I've been really quiet on socials, but mm -hmm. I hang out on uh, Kimberly Valley just because we're in that transition period of yes. selling a business and starting a new one. 
So I hang out on Instagram at Kimberly.Valerie. That's uh, I do some business mentoring. I am starting to open up for clients now that we are exiting out of a business. I'm really looking forward to it because I had to kind of like Exciting. restrict my client work. Yes. But coming in the spring and the fall, I will be opening that up again. So yeah, you can just hey, find me on Instagram. Awesome. And before I let you go, I love ending with a couple of rapid fire questions. So just okay. really quickly before I let you go, how how do you, okay, I think I, I might know this, but okay. when when things are just like really stressful and just like you, you've been in a super busy season, how do you pick yourself up and, and shake off for the next day? Like what's something that just kind of lights your fire outside of work? Work. Okay. Wow. And does your husband do it too? He's scared to. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> One more. Who do you admire in this life? Oh, who do you like? That is a tough question because there's, I, I'm, that is expand, that expands over and over for me as I am expanded. I see new people that I then admire. I mean, the biggest people in the past that had the biggest impact on me would be my social worker. I really admired him, had a huge impact on me. Now, I mean, honestly, I admire my husband. Yeah. Like he, he's the original guy. Like, yeah, I, love it. I do admire him because he's a way better human than I am. I don't stop. I loved this conversation and I hope someday that you will allow me to interview you again and maybe even with, with Darren, because how amazing would it be to have both of you on? And I've seen you both in action and, and you're an unstoppable force, both of you. And I am very, very lucky that our paths crossed. Yeah, fortunate to have met you and had this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing what you have today. Thanks so much, Kim. It's been, a, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening into the show. It truly means so much to me. You can check out the important links mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. And please join the conversation over on Instagram at me and James Co. I love hearing from you. There are so many great conversations coming up, so please make sure you are subscribed to Apple or Spotify or any of your favorite media players so that you don't miss out. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share and leave a review and a rating because it helps us so very much. Until next time.